Pastor's Cut podcast for the week of September 24th, 2023. Welcome to our discussion. And hey, the good news is Marissa's back today. Hi. Marissa, we missed you last week. I missed week. you guys. Where were you? Um, what where was I? Oh, I was at an orthodontist appointment for my daughter. Aren't you glad to be here? I'm so glad to be here. Yeah. She's getting headgear next month, so oh, they put no. all sorts of new metal in her mouth to get ready for that. So, so did you have braces growing up? I did. Okay, me too. But not like the hardcore, like, little shop of horrors style dentistry. <laughs> I just had... <laughs> You know, a little I, bit of correction. I just so. think about Charlie and the Chocolate Factory, the new one where the kid has all the headgear. Yeah, I, yeah. I never had to do that, but I had quite an extensive work of braces done on me. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, her de- her orthodontist is not very forthcoming. He doesn't really let her know what's ahead. Oh. So we've got, we can, okay, maybe it's not so bad, or maybe it's the worst thing you've ever imagined. That's right. We don't okay. know. So. Br- Brad, it, it seems to strike me, you probably didn't have braces growing up. If you had crooked teeth, your dad probably took a pair of pliers and just ripped them out. Is that the way it went? Out on the farm? Luckily, I had straight teeth. Whoa. <laughs> I did not have braces. Okay. Not, not many people are born with that gift. I am very fortunate. You are very fortunate. <laughs> blessed, or whatever the word is. I'm, I you was, are blessed and highly I favored. I was tickled. Blessed not. and highly favored. Yeah. <laughs> so so you're not, you've not heard Dave yet, so Dave's not in the room. He's going to be probably strolling in here in the next few minutes. He had an appointment running late, and we just didn't want to wait for him because we've got busy things to do today. We've got a lot of stuff to do. <laughs> Nap time's coming up here in a little bit. Can't miss that. So welcome to the Pastor's Cut podcast. For those of you who are tracking along at home, we are walking through the Apostles' Creed, and I need to make one brief correction. Uh, the first week, if you picked up the Apostles' Creed, the first week, and we're going to run it as the time of this recording, we're going to run it two more Sundays we had a wrong version of the creed, mm. okay? And it was an oversight. Um, it says, Dave is walking in very quietly right now. Everyone's so just, just waiting for him. No one will ever notice. So it says here that... Um, I that, think so quiet. <laughs> oh my gosh. That Jesus suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, was buried, and he descended to hell is mm. the creed that, that appeared on the back. So actually, the better word for that in the Greek, which is where the creed first um, uh, appeared in the Greek language, is actually the word for grave, mm-hmm. not hell. So there's been a lot of discussion over the years. Did Jesus descend to hell after he died? We're not given enough information, but we can all agree that he descended to the grave. So my apologies, the next two weeks, we're going to run the better translation, I believe, uh, of um, the Apostles' Creed that he did descend into the grave point of the creed is to say Jesus really died and I can't wait until we get to the word holy catholic oh man Church. other people people are already or, is there's there, already a is mumbling there, there's already is discussion there a buzz? yeah there's a buzz I love the buzz <laughs> practice and I didn't say this in the second service I should have practice the spiritual discipline of not reacting until you have more information right. isn't that a great discipline we should be reflective not reactive right right mm-hmm. so there is uh, Marissa, for those listening, you mm-hmm. want to jump ahead and just say oh, what the word Catholic? What the Catholic, just yeah. the universal. Universal church. The, the community of faith. We believe there's one church, mm-hmm. and the church is composed of all people throughout all history who've confessed Christ as Lord. Mm-hmm. So it's Catholic, little c, 
not Roman Catholic, right. but the Catholic. And I Catholic. think that is in the creed, is Catholic little c. It, it says is, in parenthetical, little c. Little c, right. Yeah. Don't be afraid. It's in the Greek, little c. <laughs> little c. L- little c, there it is. <laughs> but, but the reason I didn't address it on Sunday, and I think it is good we should learn, as we as a staff are talking about habitus, we should learn, we should have this habit in our life of not overreacting every time we see something we don't initially right. like. Wait, get more information, be reflective. You shouldn't take out your sword and cut off the guy's ear? No. No. Okay. no. Wait, no, wait, that's biblical. You can do that, right? <laughs> well, Jesus did say, get a couple swords. <laughs> it happened. <laughs> there, I don't know that it... there are things that are in the Bible that are not necessarily crystallized. <laughs> oh, yeah. that's right. Oh. Yeah. It's, it's reality, Context. but maybe yeah. not advocated. Yeah. Yeah. Hey, Dave's here now, everybody. Hi, Dave. Hi, I'm glad that I made it. <laughs> I'm, I'm glad that you, uh, you, uh, I, Dave was doing something very important. I won't talk about what that is, but uh, I knew. Oh, he was, that makes it sound really. I know t- it's it like staff reviews. <laughs> it's staff review time. It's, it's that time of the year. Staff review. So I was, yeah. Okay, one more thing before we dive into our our study for today: the four by four cards. Please pick those up next time you're on campus. Four months praying for four people, and I really want to encourage if you're a community group leader, I may show up in your community group one day and just say. Let's think about how we're praying. Instead of praying for everyone's hangnails, why don't we pray for people's salvation? And we did in staff meeting yesterday of intentionally taking our prayer time and not just giving our physical needs, but addressing the spiritual needs of people around us Mm -hmm. to know Jesus. And I want to challenge our community group leaders. Let's start praying for eternal impact in people's lives. Dave, looks like you want to say something. To intentionally prayer an outward-focused prayer. That would be phenomenal. Not only would that be phenomenal, I, I think that's what the early church did in Acts chapter 2. And so. As I look at what happened in Acts 2 and the formation of community, there was so much response to the gospel. I'm convinced that it, that was in part because they were praying for lost people to know Jesus. Mm-hmm. Let's start praying differently. Yeah. Yes. Let's, let's not pray as we've been in the habit. Uh, let's form some new habits there. Yeah. And a fun side quest or side challenge would be, how can I work my hangnail into this 4x4 mm. discussion? Mm. As I, I was, bet people can do it. As I was writing the person's name <laughs> on my list, I remembered I had a hangnail. There yes. you go. I worked it in. If I, God could heal this hangnail, I feel like I'd be more free to share. <laughs> I was having a conversation with, with this person while I was working on my yard, and I noticed I had a hangnail. <laughs> a hangnail. So could we pray for this person and my... Let's say the word one more time. Hangnail. hangnail. That's just a weird... <laughs> Weird word. We are off the rails. Let's get back onto the crane. Hangnails are very real. Some people have to deal with it, people. <laughs> Brad, Brad, have we touched a chord for you? I'm just, just saying. Well, it's I'm, about, it's kind of my. I have, hangnail I have picked up a hangnail offense. <laughs> I know I was late, but but we are in Colossians one today, isn't that correct? Yeah, that's yes. right. Yeah. Yep, that's right. Okay, and I'm just making sure. And and by the way, one more comment. You know. Brad, the reason you have a hangnail yes. is it's because you have perfect teeth. So everyone has ah, to have a weakness. It's a balance. Yeah, it's a balance. Yeah, it's All right. Yes. All right. Let's roll on. Uh, for now, a lot of people have just tuned out of the podcast. I think we've gained new listeners. I think Devoted, we've had fun. committed followers. That's yeah. right. So as we look at the Apostle Creed, we're, we're not looking at the text of the Creed as much as we're looking at the truths of the Creed. We're not focused on the principles here, but on the person. And the Apostle's Creed is a Trinitarian formula. Mm -hmm. I believe in God the Father. I believe in Jesus Christ. I believe in the Holy Spirit. And so under the clause of Jesus Christ, this longest part of the creed, we're actually going to break this down into four parts. And this will follow today 
In the next three weeks, we're going to look at Jesus's incarnation. We'll look at his descent. <clears throat> In fact, if you look at the creed, the whole Jesus clause, it, it has this downward direction, mm. conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary. He goes lower, suffered under Pontius Pilate, keeps going down, crucified, died, was buried. He descended to the grave. It's a downward direction. The second part of that clause goes up from there. He rose again, ascended. He's at the right hand. He will come again. So we're going to look at the incarnation today, Jesus' descent, Jesus' ascension, and then finally Jesus and his return and judgment. And so that's kind of a four-part look at this, uh, the truth of this part of the creed. So today we're talking about the incarnation, and it's not Christmas even. Right? right? It's usually the only time we talk <laughs> about the incarnation. Um, but we're going to look at the truth of the incarnation through the lens of Colossians chapter 1, verses 15 through 20. Marissa, would you do the honors and sure. read our text? And you want to stop us? in 20? Uh, yeah, what did I put on the... 23. 23. 23 Sorry, we say it unison. <laughs> Hangnail. All right, so let's uh, go ahead and read through 23 since okay. that seems to be the consensus. All right. The Son is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation. For in him all things were created, things in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or powers or rulers or authorities, all things have been created through him and for him. He is before all things, and in him all things hold together. And he is the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning and the firstborn from among the dead, so that in everything he might have the supremacy. For God was pleased to have all his fullness dwell in him, and through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether things on earth or things in heaven, by making peace through his blood shed on the cross. And once you were alienated from God and were enemies in your minds through, because of your evil behavior, but now he has reconciled you by Christ's physical body through death to present you holy in his sight, without blemish and free from accusation. If you continue in your faith, established and firm, and do not move from the hope held out in the gospel, this is the gospel that you heard and that has been proclaimed to every creature under heaven, and of which I, Paul, have become a servant. So let's talk about this text in terms of the incarnation. <clears throat> Excuse me, in terms of the incarnation. The first word that stands out to me in this text is the word image. The Son is the image of the invisible God. And think back to all the commands in the Older Testament to the Hebrew people not to make any image. In fact, it's one of the big commandments. Don't make any image of God, um, that, that any kind of form that would represent him. The reason for that is not only an anti-idolatry commandment, but it's almost as though God is saying, I will give you my image. Hmm. I will show you what my true image looks like, and it won't be something that you make with your hands. It is me coming in the flesh. And so all of these commandments against idolatry, and they hold up on their own, but it kind of builds this anticipation. If we can't build a physical representation of what God is like, then what is he like? And God himself says, I will make my image known through my son. He is the image of the invisible God. Mm -hmm. So that's the first thing that stands out to me. Um, what about you guys? What stands out to you? Yeah, and, and you're talking about image. The Greek word there is icon. Mm, so, you know, in the word. Orthodox Church, we think of icons as being images of things that are invisible in the sacred world. But even in the secular world, we have icons that represent and, um, you know, it's a, a simple image that represents a larger concept or a business or an organization that evokes, you know, so much more from seeing that icon. So within the image of Christ, 
there is a God we cannot see and know that can now be seen and known in this very seemingly simple image. Yeah, so if I were teaching this, I, I might have a little fun with this and, uh, you know, put some icons up on the screen that, that don't have the words on it. So if you put the Nike swoosh up and you just put that icon up, you say, what does this represent? Everyone will know it's Nike. Mm-hmm. Um, the Bank of Oklahoma, you know, they have an, an icon, a very distinctive icon. Um, we, we associate that image with the entire organization, its fullness, right? Mm-hmm. And so Jesus is the image of God. When we see Jesus, we see who God is. Dave, what stands out to you? So, That's just an illustration that one might use. <laughs> that one might use. Yes. <laughs> it's, a, it's a good hint to enter into the text. That's right. Um, one of the first things that stands out just in the first verse, probably because uh, of where I come from, in... Arizona, we're, we're inundated with Mormons and Jehovah's Witnesses that are always going door to door. If if you have a pulse, you've probably had at one point a Jehovah's Witness knock on your door. And anytime I engage with Jehovah's Witnesses, they point to this verse, one Colossians 1.15, Jesus was the firstborn of all creation, therefore he can't be God in the flesh. He's a man. Mm-hmm. But the author of Hebrews, or the author of Hebrews, Paul, doesn't leave it there. Sorry, I'm still in Hebrews for some reason. We've been in Hebrews for far too long. (laughs) Paul doesn't leave it there because he's the image of the invisible God. He is God in the flesh. If that's not enough, verse 16, he created everything. Everything was created through him and by him, and his life is sustained because of him. In the Old Testament... God is the one that is the author of creation. And so Paul, in, in a very subtle way, says, in a very not-so-subtle way, actually, very yeah. bluntly, <laughs> says, Jesus is God. Jesus is the creator. Jesus is the sustainer of life. And so if you're entering into a conversation with Jehovah's Witnesses, I mean, that's a big part of, of who Jesus is, and it's worth asking. Then, okay, so if Jesus really is the creator of all things and the sustainer of all things... How do we get to experience Jesus in that way? How has he brought new life into you? How has he brought life into you? And, and part of that comes on later on as he talks about the gospel message. And so it's almost as though, as I look at this text, it's almost as though Paul cast, um, or as Dave refers to him, the author of Hebrews. Paul, <laughs> really making bold God. statements. I know. We're oh, so wrong, wrong. Yeah. It's, it's almost as though uh, Paul moves in some concentric circles here. He says, um, the Son the image of the invisible God. He's the firstborn over all creation. All things were created in him. And then he draws another closer circle. He said, and not only is he over all creation, he is the head of the body. He is the head of the church, firstborn from among the dead. And then he tightens that circle even more. And I'm glad that we included verses 21, 22, and 23 uh, because it tightens the circle around us. And once you are alienated from God, Mm-hmm. So there's almost this sense where Paul draws this big circle of creation, then a, a smaller circle of the church, and then the smallest circle of all to say, this should make a difference in your life because everything that's true about Jesus is true about God. And that, that to me, that's the best one-liner I know of, not trying to be trite, but to sum up the importance of the incarnation. Everything that is true about Jesus is true about God. Mm-hmm. So of those three circles, which, which one do y'all want to talk about? Do you just choose? What do you want? Dave kind of already mentioned creation. Do we want to talk yeah. about the well, church? Oh, man, there's so much about creation in this text, and, mm-hmm. um, and I don't know if we can dig completely into it, but it's just a, a beautiful uh, image that Jesus is not um, 
writing a new story, that the gospel isn't a new story, that it's a story that's been around Mm -hmm. since the beginning of time, that this was always who God was, that Jesus, what we see in him, his character, his actions, um, it is a grander revealing of who God has always been. Um, And uh, yeah, I think that's so essential. I really like how Dave talked about um, talking to Jehovah's Witnesses specifically with the scripture, because that is uh, one of the main points of the Apostles' Creed and creeds like that. It's to come down to the essentials of our faith so we know what we Mm -hmm. truly believe. Because how many of us could, when confronted with uh, Colossians uh, uh, from a Jehovah's Witness, we can be like, man, what you're saying, I know isn't true, <laughs> but how do I how do I convince you? How do I uh, talk to you about this? Mm-hmm. And the reason why these creeds were put into place um, were not to come up with new ideas, or but to uh, unify the church under what was already understood through the apostles' teachings. So the Apostles' Creed specifically was meant to fight ideas like, <clears throat> excuse me, adoptionism or Nestorianism or things that... that um, uh, to translate yeah. that, um, it, things that said, you know, Jesus is all God, not man at all, or God is, or Jesus is all human and not divine. And there were those teachings, and that's one of the teachings that, you know, Colossians was written towards. You've been taught some things that are not true. Let's get back to the essentials of what right. we know are true about God. And and then you can hang the passion of your testimony on the lattice of these truths that we all hold here. And playing off that, you know, looking at this this personal circle, the smallest circle there, Paul says he's become a servant of the gospel message, of this message, of the core teaching of who Jesus is. Mm-hmm. If you were to sum up who Jesus is and what Jesus has done, he does it just in these few verses to, to sum up the fullness of the gospel message from mm-hmm. creation to redemption and restoration. That, that who Jesus is, is one who enters into creation, who creates all things, but then because of sin, took care of the consequences of sin on himself, and then reconciled us. Mm-hmm. That's right. And so I think I have a strong conviction that, that I believe Paul is actually inviting us to join him in being servants of this message, to invite other people to know, to understand who Jesus is and what Jesus does. Just like you were saying, Marissa, about you know, how do we articulate with, with Jehovah's Witnesses what we really believe and, mm-hmm. and explain it from Scripture? When they're pointing to Scripture and talking about something else, I actually think this was a bit of a formula that Paul was giving to early believers mm-hmm. to say, this is it. This is the summation of who Jesus is and what Jesus has done in our world, in our time, in our place. And if you know this, if you commit yourself to knowing this, it's going to make a difference for you and for everyone around you. Yeah. And in verse 23, Paul says, this is the gospel that you have heard and that has been proclaimed to every creature under heaven, and of which I, Paul, have become a servant. So he's like, this is the part of the gospel that's most compelling for me. This is the part of the gospel that's most exciting to me, and this is what convinced me. So take this, and if you fully understand it and are able to express it to other people, they'll find it compelling too, that you have a God that's condescended, not in the condescension that makes, uh, you know, the, the greater people make you feel small, but someone great has become small in order to be in, to dwell amongst you and have a presence amongst you and to actively work towards peace and reconciliation and, mm-hmm. and gives us a, an avenue into living, and like as we were talking about in Hebrews, in joy and freedom with the Father instead of shame and guilt and fear. 
And this is what Paul was so excited about. So if we can grasp this, we can make anyone excited about this. And that's where the theology here makes its application. And Paul does it for us. You know, uh, so what? Jesus is the image of God and the Lord of the church and the reconciler of humanity. I mean, those are all big, true things, big picture items. But then he says, and I, I'm a servant. Mm. So, So we understanding who Jesus is, it also helps us understand who we are in a relationship with Jesus. We are mm-hmm. called to be servants of this one gospel as well. Thank you. It just kind of helped me finish off uh, where the sermon's going to hey. land because that's, <laughs> that's the application. I mean, right. and, and Dave, I don't know the Greek here, but it's probably doulos. It just means a, a, a slave. Um, I'm a slave to this. I'm bound to this. It's it's diakonos, which actually I think is more oh, really? compelling because okay. Paul uses doulos of himself. Mm-hmm. He typically doesn't extend that to other people but he uses diakonos of other people. He says Epaphras, uh, earlier in the passage, is a diakonos. He, he calls other co-workers as diakonoses. So does he so, use diakonos? So or he uses he use... diakonos here in verse end. 23. Okay. So it's almost like Paul is saying, I'm a servant, but I'm inviting you to be a servant as well. Mm-hmm. Is diakonos the Greek for hangnail by any chance? No. No. Not quite. So, so for, for, for those at home, that. and Dave and I are talking <laughs> Greek, so... Uh, diakonos is where we get our word deacon. deacon right? Correct. Yes. Doulos, it doesn't have an exact translation, but it basically means slave yes. or, or servant. So he uses diakonos here. I stand the, corrected. The table waiter. Ah, very nice. Okay. <laughs> so I've become, I've become the wait staff for, for this. Um, don't know what that means. So Brad, Brad can <laughs> cut out that part. I just, I, just, I just mumbled. I had nothing to say, but I kept talking anyway. I'll leave it in. <laughs> uh, no, I've marked it. I can go back and get it. Okay, thanks. Uh, all right, so um, anything else y'all want to point out about this text? If I can, just one more thing. Mm. Um, I would honestly ask the question, so what? So what it means that we're a servant of, of the gospel. What does that mean for us? What does that practically look like? I think Paul answers the question looking back a little earlier and looking forward a little later in this passage. Earlier in the passage, he talks about You've received the gospel. It's borne fruit and grown all over the world. It's spreading around Colossae. It's spreading in other parts of the world. You've taken ownership of this. And then Paul says in Colossians 1.28, we collectively, we proclaim the gospel. We, we teach, we admonish so that every single believer will become mature in Christ. And I think the dot, dot, dot is it knows how to multiply their faith into others. Who knows how to multiply it into others? And so there's... Part of being a servant of Jesus and a servant of this gospel message means that it's not just for us. It exists for other people as well. That's right. So um, as I'm looking at this, and I've not started writing the sermon on this yet, but here we have the reality of God. And if we want to know who God is, look at Jesus. Okay. Mm-hmm. And so Jesus points us to the reality of who God is. Um, it's also good to see in verse 19, this is what pleases God. God mm-hmm. was pleased to have all of his fullness dwell in Christ. And so not only does it please God, but it also gives us our identity as servants of this one gospel. Marissa, what you got? Yeah, it also shows us what God is doing and what he's always been mm-hmm. doing, that uh, this is what he, he is, um, but also he's the creator um, and that he's the sustainer of the world, that he holds all things together. And that means on a grand cosmic scale, he's holding all things together. But even in our individual lives, he's reconciling, he's bringing peace, he's ordering chaos. All of this is creation language. 
Um, and that, that peacemaking um, is the shalom building is a very active thing. It's, it's ordering chaos. It's making things right. It's correcting injustice. It's ultimately reconciling people to God. And if we want to know what God is doing in the world, we look at what Jesus did. And when we are wondering what we need to be doing in order to follow Jesus, in order to please God, we look at what Jesus did and we do those things so we'll be aligned with that peacemaking aspect. Because the incarnation, um, in a very small way, um, continues through us. That we too are image bearers. We too are icons. Um, and, you know, we're, we are meant, discipleship is all about reflecting your rabbi and representing him to a world that's desperate for reconciliation. So I think of Matthew 5, 9, um, blessed are the peacemakers for they will be called sons of God. And, uh, you know, we need to be actively, intentionally showing the world the character and the actions of God through our own lives. And I think of, of kids, um, you know, Adeline looks just like Chris. Uh, <laughs> their smiles are the same. They make the same faces. They, you know, she'll just make a face. I'm like, oh, that's so your dad. And I want people to look at me and say, oh, that's so your dad. You know, you that should be our, our goal in all this is to continue mm. that incarnation. So people say oh, they look so much like their father. Yeah. Beautiful. I was going to say, Darren, what you brought at the beginning, I mean, Marissa just brought it right back, that, that Jesus was the image bearer of God. He was God in the flesh. He invites us to that, mm -hmm. and, and so I mean, you you talked about that identity that we get, or you talked about the identity that Jesus was through God. I think that's part of the conversation as well, and part of the, the question: What identity do we have because of what Jesus did, mm -hmm. and how is that reflected in the world around us? There you go. This ought to be a rich passage for our teachers to to teach, and I'm yes. looking forward to preaching on it. And it and if you keep coming back, that that theme that we're talking about is the incarnation. Mm -hmm. And um, just to take that word apart for just a moment, if you lop off the prefix, you get the word carnation, which we know is a flower, but it, uh, that word actually means flesh-colored. Mm -hmm. So it's God in the color of flesh, yeah. and that's who we see mm. in Jesus. So, the infleshing. The infleshing. <laughs> uh, that doesn't sound good No, it doesn't at sound all. as good. I no, like the flower better. Yeah, let's do the flower. Okay. okay. <laughs> let's all wear carnations on that day. Brad, do you have anything to say? Anything about you? Can we pray for your hangnail? No, carnation was also a brand of ice cream in my day. It was. It's yeah. it's also a brand of condensed milk, isn't it? It is. So sweet. Milk and honey. You could oh. bring... Oh, that'll oh, preach. Oh, that's it. Milk and honey. <laughs> Always <laughs> brings it back to the good stuff. I love condensed milk. It's so good. Okay. It's getting, it's getting close to lunchtime. That's why we're talking yeah. about food. So, All right. So uh, as teachers enjoy teaching this, focus on the incarnation, wrestle with your theology. Uh, I would also throw it out... Um, if you're teaching through this, it might not be a bad idea in your community group every week just to start with reading the Apostles' Creed in unison. Mm. Not that we're trying to indoctrinate anybody, but this is a historic statement of faith that still holds up well today. It'll hold up well until Jesus comes back again. Mm -hmm. and, and even if we don't completely understand some of the words we're saying, we will understand as we go through this series and our focus is, I believe in Jesus Christ, His only Son, our Lord. Mm. So now may the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make His face to shine upon you. And may God grant you peace, both now and forever. Amen. 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 Amen.